If you'll join me, today's Advent scripture reading is from Luke 2, 8 through 14. In our Pew Bibles, this is page 857. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we gather this morning acknowledging your omnipotence, your omniscience, your omnibenevolence. And we ask that you would reveal to us your grace and your love in a new way, that this isn't just another Christmas that goes by where things are just kind of habitual or by rote. We do ask, God, that this would be something that opens us, our eyes more. And as we look from the perspective of angels, um, to be able to see more clearly this divine plan that you had in sending your son to us to save us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the way that this kind of Advent series began with this sort of angel's theme is uh, we just finished our study in Hebrews right before this Advent series, and there's a, a verse in the last chapter of Hebrews that inspired uh, this Advent series, and it's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It reads this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And you notice that it's not the angels who are unaware, but it's, it's us. That the, the angels are quite aware that they are present with people, and it's the people who are the ones who are unaware of being with the messengers of God. I guess some of us are aware of being with angels when those angels are, are people who are giving us a message from God since that what, that's what an angel is, is, is simply a messenger of God. And you know those people, people who deliver a message to us and there's just something about that message that, that, that hits us with this unusual power when it, when it touches our conscience and we become aware of God using someone to speak to us a special message. But that's not who Hebrews or much of the scriptures speak to us about, that there are angels who are not like us and who come from heaven. They are part of God's heavenly supernatural family, and humans are another part, an earthly natural part, but nevertheless still part of God's family. Both parts created by God, but distinct from one another, so in essence we are related somewhat, and they're very interested in us. It's kind of like those people who, uh, you know, they sign up for 23andMe or Ancestry.com, 
and then they get really into their family tree once they start finding out who their relatives are and they start looking into it and they, they look in and they get fascinated about, about who they're related to and angels have this curiosity, they have this interest in their, their natural family members, they have an interest in what God is doing with us on earth and when God will ultimately bring us together and we're going to have this very huge family reunion one day. And they have this very keen interest in what God is doing. Even though angels are the spiritual and heavenly part of our family, they're, they're not God. They are not omniscient. They are created just like we are created. And, and what they know is limited. There are things that God does and, and they wonder what in the world God is doing. They wonder what we are doing. And they wonder what will be happening in the future. When we started this series, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, where there's this phrase, things into which angels long to look. Then we looked at angels and what they do based off of Matthew chapter 1. And this morning, we'll be looking at what they say. You know, during Advent, we, we do sing songs about angels. We sing like... Hark the herald, angels sing, and sing choirs of angels, and, and we sing these things. But, but we are the ones singing these things. And you notice in Luke chapter 2 that the angels aren't singing. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Now I'm not trying to be a Grinch and to say that we shouldn't sing, you know. I'm simply pointing out that in this very familiar Christmas passage in Luke chapter 2 that the angels were, were saying they were not singing. But a song with uh, Hark the Herald, Angels Say, just doesn't quite have the same ring. So it's just, that would be kind of, I guess we can read it like poetry or something. Um, there are other Christmas carols, many, that reference angels, but, but Luke 2 does not find angels singing. Rather, they are, are saying... And who are they saying something to? And we find it's three individuals and one group of people to whom the angels speak within the Christmas story. The three individuals are, are Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. It's Mary, Jesus' mother. It's Joseph, Jesus' legal father, his earthly guardian. And then, and then we find shepherds, this group of people. Now, was this one angel who spoke to all of these people, or were there a number of angels to speak to these people. And as far as we know, it was Gabriel uh, we, who spoke to Zechariah and Mary. We're given his name in Luke, but we aren't given the names of the angel or angels who spoke to Joseph or the shepherds in the Gospel of Matthew. We, we do know that it had been five centuries since an angel had anything to say to anyone, 500 years before the angel Gabriel spoke to Zechariah. And, and the people were, were very aware that God was silent for hundreds of years with no new revelation. So when this chain of angels speaking happened, this was really big. God had been silent for 500 years since the last prophet. And so we know that angels are, are not like God and that they don't know everything. They're not omniscient. They're also not like God in that they were created They're not eternal beings, 
and they have this beginning, and so, so they're bound by time. They have a beginning, and there's a future that they don't know about. They are aware that there, these five centuries have gone by, that God has not spoken to his people a new revelation. Now, you know that when uh, you're having fun, time flies by. And so I imagine that's how 500 years was for angels. Like, no, not a big deal. But for, for the Jewish people, 500 years, that's a long time. And 500 years of silence, and, and then there's this string of appearances by angels. This is really special. 500 years, and then all of a sudden there are angels speaking to people. Three individuals, a group of people. And it wasn't just special for us, though. Because I bet it was quite special for those angels too. Angels who are known to praise God and to say things about God. And so you imagine Gabriel's reaction when God said, um, I want you to go talk to Zechariah. Me? Yeah, I want you to talk to Zechariah. And then I want you also to uh, talk to Mary. So Gabriel, you're up. And Gabriel must have been just so ecstatic. We haven't spoken to these people in over 500 years and I get to do this. Now we know angels aren't omniscient or eternal. So when he heard this news, he must have been just so pumped. Right? And if you were an angel, now some of you are closer to being an angel than others, but if you were an angel and you were witnessing the return of Gabriel after Gabriel delivered these messages, how would you receive Gabriel? What questions would you have? I, I would have a ton of questions for him. He'd be coming back like, oh man, he's coming back. And, and every, all these angels are really excited. And once he came back, what did they say? How did they, how did they react? What did you say? And so Gabriel returns and the other angels gather around. And they ask Gabriel, you know, what happened? You know, what happened? Just tell us, tell us everything. And Gabriel got there and he said, you know, well, I went to Zechariah, and I stood at the right side of the altar of incense, and then he freaked out. And, and I was so worried that he'd have a heart attack because the dude is just so old that, you know, I just... And then, oh, what about Mary? What about Mary? You know, she's going to give birth to our Lord Jesus Christ on earth. What, what is she like? And Gabriel was like, well, I said hi. And she didn't freak out like Zachariah did because it just takes a lot more to freak out those teenagers there. And you, you have to do something else like take away their cell phone for them to freak out. And, and which is kind of what happened when I said hi because then she was greatly troubled by my greeting, not necessarily my presence. And so I guess teenagers don't like to be greeted by strangers, which is very true. I have one. And let's just say that it was Gabriel who spoke to Joseph. Then the angels start asking Gabriel about Joseph. And I think the angels have a sense of humor because God has a sense of humor. And when they asked Gabriel about Joseph, Gabriel told them, Joseph's a, a really deep sleeper. And I, I couldn't wake him up, so I had to give it to him in a dream. And I did tell him not to fear taking Mary as his wife because he was really freaked out about that. And I'm telling you that the guys on earth freak out a lot more than the women of earth. 
Tell us about the shepherds, Gabriel. What were they like? Remember when I told you that guys freak out a lot more than the women on earth? I showed up and they were filled with great fear. And I had to tell them that don't freak out. I have really good news for you. Every time an angel interacted with people, the angel had to address their fear or their trouble or what was troubling them. And addressing fear and addressing our troubles is throughout the Bible. It's essentially why we share the gospel, isn't it? To address people's fears, to address people's pains, to, to, to address the deepest things within them. And even our Lord Jesus often told people, fear not. And throughout the scriptures we find this, fear not. Why is fear so often addressed in the Bible? Because we are fearful. It wouldn't be there if we weren't. And so the angels address fear in verses 10 and 11. It reads, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Do we realize the correlation between fear and the absence of a Savior? We recently finished this sermon series in, in Hebrews, and, and the latter part of Hebrews chapter 2 addresses this fear. You can listen to it online. It, it's on there. But let's just read Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, delivers us from fear. Now what is your greatest fear? Arguably, it's death. And it, it may not even be your own death. Maybe you're saying, like, I'm not afraid to die. But let me put a twist to it. What about the death of the one that you love most? When I was a child, I remember fearing the death of my parents. My kids go through the same thing because sometimes I remember each of them when they were younger. And my six year old sometimes still goes through this where they'll come in and they'll just start talking and, like, when are you going to die? Or they'll ask me questions about my death. And I just tell them, don't worry, I have a really good life insurance policy and, you know, it's just, you know you'll, you'll be taken care of. And you know, your aunt's a lot more fun than I am anyway, so don't worry about it. But it's a fear that every child has. They fear their mommy and daddy dying. And you had the same fear as you were growing up too. You, you wondered that. And, and, but you're not a child anymore. And so that fear is no longer there. But then the fear kind of switches because my fear has switched. To be honest, I fear my spouse dying. I fear my children dying. I fear my closest friends, my relatives. 
And so it's this very, very basic common fear that we have, this fear of death. I absolutely hate late night phone calls. Do not call me really late. Because that's where my greatest fear gets up. Like, like I, those spidey senses or whatever, they just come up, right? It, because it's never good. No, 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 it's rarely good. It's rarely good. It's only good when I get that, you know, I had a, I had a girl. Thank God. Like, I thought, I thought it was something else, right? Or, or, I hate when my parents call me really late. I hate it. I see it as like, Dad. Oh, man. Because all of my aunts, his sisters are 90 plus. So I, I just hate it. Or if my sister's calling me really late, are my parents okay? Even before I pick up, right? Is it, is it my mom? Is it my dad? Like, what's going on? So I hate those really late calls. It usually means someone died or, or someone's ill, and I have to go do that hospital visit. And, and, and why that dread? Why that fear? Because death takes away from us what is most valuable. What is most precious, most important? It strips those things away from us. Everything we hold most dear to us because of death, gone. It's gone. And it's not so much possessions, but it's those people, gone. To be taken away from them, or them taken away from us. That deep fear within us, and Hebrews chapter 2 addresses that deep-seated fear. That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins, resurrected from the dead, therefore overcoming death. And that's what Jesus was born to do. That's what he was sent to do to bear the judgment of God upon himself, to take upon the sin which the wages of it is death upon himself in order to bring new life to our cursed lives from sin by the power of his presence. We all physically die. If um, you don't suffer from this, please talk to me. I would love to meet you. But we all die. We all physically die. But we don't have to fear it anymore. That the sting of it is still there, you know, when we lose someone we love. But there's a hope that is inserted that that sting is not forever. Jesus, our Lord, preserves those living bonds that we have to God and the family of God including angels. Jesus overcoming death. So what else is there to fear if he has conquered that very basic thing that all of us fear? Now it doesn't mean that we no longer feel those feelings associated with death because we do. It's just that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born to overcome what we all fear and that's what Christians all around the world celebrate. The angels, our, our distant relatives, they celebrate with us what Jesus 
was destined, born to do with his own life. And this is why we find this picture in Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look at it here in verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so here's another picture from Revelation. Let me leave you with this picture as a, as a gift from me. It's a Christmas gift. And the picture is this throne of God. And surrounding this throne of God are heavenly creatures and, and saints. And so here's the picture in Revelation chapter 5, picking up in verse 9. And you can feel free to close your eyes and just imagine it going on if you like. Um, if not, then, then don't. It doesn't bother me at all. Some of you are asleep anyway, so never mind. I'm kidding, no one's asleep. I'll point you out, though, if you are. <laughs> and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain, and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This picture shows us that when angels speak about Jesus, it is indeed a beautiful sound. It's, it's music to our ears. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us that there is so much music surrounding Christmas. And this Advent season, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, don't, don't just let this Christmas pass you by without making room for Jesus in your heart. Angels long to see this of their earthly family members, that they rejoice when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord. And those of us who, who know Jesus, we, we long to see this of our loved ones. We love this. We, we long to see this from those that we love. And we rejoice when this happens. And so do the heavenly spiritual family that we have. We read of the angels and how they worship and praise Jesus. And so as we step outside of church this morning, as Christmas is only a couple days away, a few days away, do we recognize the same Jesus that the angels do? Do you yourself know Jesus this morning and what he has done for you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I do want to lift up those who do not know you. And Holy Spirit, would you minister to them and have them viscerally feel your grace and love and mercy for them. Thank you for this beautiful divine plan. 
that we all have this fear within us and yet you have overcome it through your death. And so some may ask why Jesus was ever born. You were born to die, to overcome that death so that we would have a hope to be reconciled with you as well as our heavenly spiritual family of angels. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We pray for your mercy upon those who are distant from you and from those who don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.